That's absolutely fine, yet. Yeah. Hello, hello, we're live, we're live. Sorry, we're just wishing on about our arrangements for childcare, as you do, multitasking. Uh, hello, welcome to Shooting the Shit. So today we are talking about intersectional feminism. Yay! Um, uh, intersectional feminism uh, always amazes me. So many people, whenever I mention it, say, I've got no idea what that is. Um, and that's understandable because, you know, they're, they're big, complicated words and it's not the sort of thing that, that people necessarily talk about. And the other thing is that I do think intersectional feminism is one of those things that people sort of intrinsically know it. When you explain it to them, they go, oh, yeah, of course. But it's just something we don't talk about. So that's what we're here to talk about today. It oh, sounds Mary. quite theoretical, doesn't it? So I think, like, you know, if you're going into feminist theory, then you, of course, have heard about intersectional feminism. And I think part of um, being a good feminist is bringing that theory to the forefront of your everyday practice. So I guess that's why people haven't heard about it a lot. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's an academic time. Yeah, that's why. Um, so first of all, let's just do introductions whilst I just try and find the uh, butterfly to the back of my earring. Uh, Hannah, what's your name? Where do you come from? I'm Hannah, and I'm from Bro Traffic. Samara, what's your name? Where do you come from? I'm Samara, and um, I work for Bernardo's, and I'm a local counsellor as well, a baby counsellor. <laughs> that's so impressive. Yeah, so you it is impressive, and you you got elected since because you have been a guest on this on this very uh, screen several times, haven't you? But you've been elected since then, so the uh, the shitters are very proud of you for standing up. Yes, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the thing is, <laughs> it's one of those. Yeah, it, it, do you know what? It's it, 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 a lot of women though don't want to put their head above the parapet, do they? They're scared to to do that. So just before we do get onto intersectional feminism, how, how have you found it? Have you had much abuse, or have people been really, really supportive? Uh, do you know what? I've, I've been really, really lucky, exceptionally lucky, um, and I think that part of that is because I've always just tried to be really be myself and. Um, not that other people don't, but what you see is what you get with me. So people can't um, pick on things that, that people can't see. Um, yeah. One of the things for my campaign is join the Joe Cox Foundation campaign, um, signed up to that campaign. And that was around really respectful campaigning. I just said campaign about mm -hmm. 10 times. But it was about being respectful to, to, to the other people in the election. And that's really important because if you can create that environment for the people that you're campaigning against then hopefully that sets the tone for the for the whole work. Yeah, yeah I feel like everything you do, Samara, is just really positive, really inclusive, really engaging. Like all your social media activities never tears anyone down. And you get that sense that you are just all about positivity and genuinely making stuff better for people. So hopefully that kind of shields you a little bit because you're not being a dick about it. Yeah, well, I, only after a gin, but I don't put that on social media. Publicly being a dick about it. <laughs> yeah, that's, I will leave that. Uh, anyway, that, well done. We are we are super proud of you. But we, we are here to talk about intersectional feminism. Yay! So first of all, um, uh, what is intersectional feminism? Because as I say, you know, people always say to me, "What does it mean?" And and I've I've explained what intersectional feminism means to me, um, and then people have gone, "Oh, I didn't realise." it was that and I think it is one of those things that 
people um some people have different uh, definitions of it it's broadly they're all talking about the same thing but they frame it in a slightly different way so samara what does intersectional feminism mean to you well first of all i really struggle with anybody who isn't an intersectional feminist um there is a really well-known quote and i'm sure someone was going to say it at some point in this in this podcast um but if your feminism isn't intersectional then it's bullshit and that they are definite words to live by uh, yes, we have to fight for women's rights, but we can't do that without fighting for the rights of women of colour. We can't do that without fighting for the rights of disabled women, for LGBT plus women, you know, for, for women in the trans community. So it's all encompassing to make sure that we fight for every single person, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And Hannah, what does intersectional feminism mean to you? I suppose that plus um, it cuts across other divides and other ways that women in particular like the women are um marginalized or subjugated so for example you are a feminist and so like you're 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 discriminated against because you're a woman and you are black or and you are disabled or and you're an immigrant and so it, there's just an additional level of bollocks that you've got to get over um in order to get equal rights so you know you're already penalized because you're female but then you've got all these other different elements that compound on top of that and if you are um, a person a woman of color who happens to be disabled who happens to be part of the lgbtq plus community then you know you, then your struggle is so much more pronounced and therefore mm -hmm. feminism needs to support those individual battles as well um, as the whole kind of i am woman battle yeah. Yeah, and I think it's really important to look at because, again, as I said, a lot of people sort of when I tell them that they go, well, yeah, of course, of course, everybody's got multiple things. Of course, everybody is, you know, a mixed race or they are middle class or they are female or male, you know, and they're disabled. And, you know, of course, everybody has all of these different things that apply to them. But the reason that we need to talk about it is because of the history of the feminist movement, and we talked about this very much last week, uh, in last time's session, didn't we, about how it was very much seen as a white woman's cause, you know, the suffragettes, all white, all very rich, uh, you know, wealthy, privileged women. And yeah, they were fighting for the rights of all women, but it was seen very much as a, as a white woman's crusade and the black woman or the lesbian, I mean, the lesbian woman was never even mentioned, but you know, black women were way down the list of priorities. Even working class women were way down the list yeah. of priorities. Um, and I think it's quite a, a quite a position a position of privilege as well to be able to say like just being a woman is the reason that I'm um like discriminated against or you know the root of my struggles whereas if I was impoverished or disabled then I might not have the capacity to fight against sexism as well as all the other battle and so it's a it's kind of because you know just fighting for like fighting for the vote was was the privilege of wealthy women um yeah. and so i think it was really important that the feminist movement then became intersectional so that we are using our privilege where all we have to really fight against is the fact that we're female to bolster up the the women that are fighting against fighting on some other battlefield hmm. exactly that and and it's that thing of you know yeah we, if we don't talk about the the things that we are not or the things that we are 
we don't enter our heads. You know, I, I was reading an article before and they were talking about, it, it was specifically about intersectionality in the workplace. But, and, and it isn't just, we need to be really important here. It isn't just race and class and gender and, and you know, sexual orientation. It's all sorts of things. And they were talking about, you know, uh, women that can't have children. And, and she would constantly be going into rooms and complaining about her three children and, oh, God, they've done this and, and now they've done that and now I've got to get them ready for work. And she said it was only when she had a woman who came into her boardroom who couldn't have children that she she suddenly realised she was like, oh, fuck, and maybe that that whole narrative that has come from a position of privilege that I didn't realise. And it's not there's anything wrong. We're not saying like, oh, now you can't talk about your children because, of course, we all fucking moan about our children, don't we? But it's just being aware that actually my struggle and my things that are bothering me are not the be all and end all of everybody else's universe. And you have to be yeah. able to take other people's things into account. So I do just want to, I do just want to say we've done enough definition. There is one glaring thing that you may have noticed about our intersectional panel, and that is that we are three on the face of it white women. So I do just want to, I mean, we're, we're going to talk in a minute about why we might be three uh, middle-class-ish white women. Um, but uh, Samara, what are your intersectionalities? Is there a, where, where would you place yourself in terms of categories? Oh, well, this is when you go through the tick box of things when you go for a job interview or, or things like that, isn't it? Your disability um, form, your benefit forms or something. Tell us. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I, I am I am white. Um, I would probably describe myself as, as, as working class. Um, I do have mental health problems. So that would tick a box in some places and, and not in others. Um, and I suppose it, it depends how nuanced you want to get about, about all, you know, but on, on the face of it, I, I, I recognise that I have a lot more privilege than a lot of other people. And, and that's why it's really important for me to be an ally. I, I'm not sure how I feel about that word. I think sometimes it can be sound a bit naff, but it, it's where I feel like I need to stand on, on a lot of this. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Hannah, what are your intersectionalities? I am ethnically diverse is how I describe it um, and that's pretty much it I would say I'm I'm healthy of body I have you know sporadic mental health issues I have postnatal depression that I'm kind of coming out of now and I have um, but you know I'm middle class I'm well educated I would say that I have an overwhelming position of privilege and uh, look and should be using that to its full advantage to support other people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I, I think I, we can add that we are children of an, uh, we are, you know, we're first generation born in this country, children of immigrants. Um, and, and I do have a disability. Yeah, that, yeah. I always tell people that I have a disability. I don't, I don't have a blue badge or claim anything, uh, but that's for my own pride, um, which is sometimes very silly. But yeah, I do. I have a disability. So I understand what it's like to not always be able and to have to plan the world around my life. For, for example, this morning, I was trying to plan a trip to London. Um, and and Chloe was saying, oh, well, we'll go from Manchester and we'll get and we'll walk. And Dali was going, oh, we'll just get from this. And I was like, do you know what? I can't. I have to plan this trip around where I can walk and how, how long the distances are. So, yeah, you know, of course, as we said at the beginning, we all have these intersectionalities. And what that means is my story of, as a feminist and the way I experience the world will be completely different from Hannah's and Samara's, even though on the face of it, we all look like a very homogenous group of women. Um, but why, why 
are there not more women of colour? Why haven't we got anybody? You know, we're all cis, we're all heterosexual, although I think we've dabbled in the past, haven't we? Um, we're all fairly... Yeah, you know, we're all we're all fairly homogenous, really. Why do you think we haven't got Rishi? Rishi's commenting. Rishi's watching. Rishi's busy. <laughs> we have a black woman on here so that we have a bit more diversity. Um, but what, I mean, we are from a rural area. We do live in a rural area, and I do wonder if there is a little bit. You know, when I lived in London, there was just a lot more diversity was there, yeah. whereas. Here, where we're from in Rossendale, and Hannah, you're from Rotherham, aren't you? Which is also a fairly yeah, sort of well, yeah. Um, why don't, why don't we know more interesting women? Why is it just us? Well, <laughs> I don't know that it's that. I don't know if it's just that our group has not expanded and it needs to because you know, the group being shooting the ship. Because, um, I think feminism still has a dirty, you know, a white woman's word. And when I when we did our um episode for uh, Day Against Transphobia and Homophobia and we have Miranda on, she was reticent about coming on because she thought we would be TERFs um, mm. and, you know, kind of taken the, just heard, you know, we'll do a feminist feminist broadcast and do you want to come on? And she was like, no. Yeah, <laughs> and it took yeah. like, quite a lot of explanation to reassure her that we're not, you know, that we are intersectional. So I think possibly we don't, we just kind of say, you know, we just assume that we are coming across as intersectional and maybe we need to be more explicit and outwardly welcome other women into the fold. Mm. Yeah. Samara, what do you think? I, I absolutely agree with what Hannah just said. I think I'm really proud to say that I'm a feminist and I don't um, care what people's opinion is of feminism and if it's a dirty word, but I appreciate that not everybody agrees with it, likes to use it, feel comfortable recognising themselves as one. The amount of people that I talk to about it and when we start having more conversations, I'll say, you are a feminist, you know, and they're like, oh, am I? And, and they've yeah. got you know, all of all of the, the values and the beliefs, they just either don't see it in themselves or they don't recognise it or, or they, they're a little bit ashamed sometimes, you know, and, 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 and that is really sad. And I think it is because of... Um, factions like the turfs that that that, that do um that do cast those aspersions on the rest of us yeah yeah and i think also like like jennifer was talking about a couple of weeks ago when we did about the kind of different um what were we doing different waves of feminism yeah. yeah and we were talking about um you know the kind of bra burners and if you're a feminist then you must be a lesbian because no man would want to shag you all that sort of stuff it's um mm -hmm. i think that's done a big disservice to intersectionality it absolutely has and i do think there's a little bit of social media you know like we were saying about with samara oh, putting ahead of the what the 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 what the parapet with with politics i do think there is a little bit now of, of women that are scared and people generally that are scared to say who they are and what they are i mean there are times recently on facebook where i have held back from posting something or saying something because I just think, oh, I just can't be asked today to deal with the backlash that I'm going to get and the amount of arguments that I'm going to face. And, I, you know, and, and it's just a constant barrage. And I do wonder if there's a little bit of that, that people are just like, do you know what, I'll just quietly exist over here and I'm not going to shout about it. And the problem yeah. then is back to that point, we don't have these conversations, do we? But imagine the privilege that we have, that that's the only battle that we face. You know, we yeah. can choose to have that battle about feminism 
women of colour, um, people in the LGBT plus community, they, they, they can't choose to have those battles because those battles are, are, are put against them. They, they, they have to have mm -hmm. them. Yeah. Them. I mean, just look at what's gone on with football in the past 12, 16 hours. You know, people have gone from being the nation's heroes to all sorts of awful stuff and people can't choose to have that battle. That battle's there. We, we are lucky yeah. to be able to have the battle. That is You're such a good right, point. Right. And, yeah, and that is why that is why we keep coming back and keep saying it because, as Hannah said before, you know we are privileged. I, I, I'm, I'm privileged in that I have both the confidence and the ability to walk into a room and argue with somebody, or go on social media and argue with somebody. Um, and, and so, yeah, we we keep going back and doing it. But you, you know, you're right. For for a lot of people. That there's there's no choice, but also that is just a constant stream isn't it and, and it's not just a constant stream that's in the face you know it, it's it's subconsciously it's it's invisibly having an impact on their life it's restricting them from getting that education it's stopping them getting a job it's stopping them getting to university or you know whatever it might be yeah yeah or even something tiny like it stops them getting on a bus like you know it's just um it is like the fight is brought to them they can't run away from it it's Mm. We, yeah. we uh, now I'm just going to say, Rachel, you and I were involved in a conversation on social media over the past couple of days where um, women offering support to other women was deemed as being sexist, you know, mm. um, and, and that's the sort of battle that we can fight because that's the only battle that we're having to fight. But even that has, has, has an amount of emotional labour attached to it, doesn't it? Yeah, mm. it, it absolutely does. And, and the thing is, something good came out of that because we, we kind of threw it back at them and we said, you know, the, there were a few men that came on, they said, right, this is really sexy. So we said, all right, what are you going to do about it? And one of them did step up and say, do you know what, actually, I've, I've got a building. I haven't got time to organise it, but you can use my building and it's got a kitchen and he's emailed this morning and backed that up um, and we might be able to put some people together and start something. So something good did come out of that, but you're absolutely right. You know, that took a Sunday afternoon of backwards <laughs> and forwards arguing with people about whether or not providing a women's service to battered women is is and battered women is the incorrect term but you know whether or not that's sexist and you just like, oh for fuck's sake yeah <laughs> so yeah anyway so uh moving us on moving us on so um we've talked about what intersectionality is talked about how we need to think about it how it might change the ways that we uh have conversations interact with people the rest of it how do we bring this into the workplace if we're thinking about um you know creating workspaces and you know hannah and i have a business tomorrow you work you're quite instrumental in a, in a national charity how do we make sure as people who are in and running businesses that we enable these conversations to happen and that we enable these people to come into the workplace I think as a business, I think as someone who is in a position of power and privilege, so whether you're a business owner, whether you're a manager or you just or you work in HR, I think you need to be having those open conversations with HR, with management, with your fellow directors about are your policies protective of everybody and mm -hmm. consult with people in your company to in to identify hidden barriers that you might not have thought of so for example um i know a lot of people are talking about bringing in menopause policies so that is something that might never have crossed my mind as a 30 something year old but for a 50 mm -hmm. odd year old that is very much in the forefront of their mind so have the conversations consult with your staff 
um, and then work from inside to change your policies and make sure that they're supportive of everybody is a good place to start. I mean, there's absolutely, I was reading an article that was saying, you know, that there is no one size fits all. And this is the problem with not having had these conversations before. People will put a policy in place, you know, a very well-meaning HR policy or a way of working. And they won't think about how that impacts somebody. And purely by having those conversations and thinking that isn't this one size fits all policy you know you can then start see like like we've you know said before with flexible working it was just assumed before that everybody would work a nine to five well actually if you've got to drop your kids off at school and they can only go in at quarter to nine and they finish at half past three a nine to five day is pointless so how do you and it's only when you have those you know have women have have people of color have have people of all sorts of different um, walks of life in your in your boardrooms and your meetings that you start to realise this. Uh, Samara, I presume Bernardo has been a, a big national charity. I presume they are fairly good at doing this sort of flexible policy. Uh, but are they? What have you seen? Can they improve? Well, yeah. I mean, again, just to coin another phrase, you know, people should always be learning, and when you know better, you should do better. And and um, the thing with Bernardo's is, I, I'm on the um, corporate equality board and that's one of the things that we try and do hannah's example of the menopause policies um, a really good example of a piece of work that i think we did particularly well so we um we developed the policy but then we sent it out to our trans network and our disability network to make sure that it that the language was inclusive and that it encompassed things that would be that might affect them differently and I'm really proud of that piece of work because that's something that Bernardo's wouldn't have done a few years ago. I don't think a lot of organisations would have thought to do that next piece of work. Um, and what we also do as well is we have um, an intersectionality working group. It's almost a bit like a scrutiny committee. Um, so when a, a specific network is doing a piece of work or a campaign, the intersectionality work group will have a look at it to make sure that that all angles work, um, and that's something that's really, really going to make the difference going forward. I think. That's Do you know really what? Good I think idea. that's a really good point. That that thing about language and just showing something to somebody and saying, "Have we got this right?" You know, would would anything in this offence work? Because Hannah, you you have spent the morning emailing your MP, haven't you? Because he did something. He got a post on Facebook. <laughs> about about trans women and and you know using unisex toilets and blah 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 and and he i think he probably at the heart of it did mean well but his his post was so convoluted and his language was so contradictory that oh, wow. it came across as really really problematic and yeah. and if he had done samara what you said you know just just let some somebody who's trans read it and say actually is that all right have i got this right or have a conversation with it's quite clear he's never had a conversation with a trans person in his life has he yeah again thoughtful isn't it you know it doesn't it doesn't have to be that doesn't have to be political it has to be thoughtful and and mm -hmm. really you know it's it sensitive comms at, at the end of the day yeah yeah I think um, I think as well, like it's not always down to policy. I think it can just be practice as well. So um, you see a lot about companies that order in Friday afternoon beers or you know have pub lunch, pub lunches and stuff. And of course, that excludes many people, um, particularly on a religious basis. And and that's not intersectional. And it is just you know some of the kind of low level. Uh, less direct things that need addressing as well. So I think, it, like Rach said, it is so important to have representation where you can.
that's a really that's a really good point i'd i'd not thought about that until um someone messaged me saying that they wanted to come to some labor party meetings but most of them are in pubs so they won't yeah um you know and and that's something that the, a pub is a free space so no mm. one thought they were doing any harm by it but it is that just not thinking yeah, but, you know, we are yeah. human and we can't think about everything all the time. And I think what is really important that my MP has not demonstrated, and that's what I, I told him today, um, <laughs> was was the whole kind of taking on feedback and listening and asking and learning. And, you know, we're not yeah. going to get it right 100% of the time, but it's really important that we try and that we try yeah. and be as uh, inclusive as possible. And when we make a mistake, we hold our hands up and say, I'm really sorry, you know, and change. I think it's just so important that we respond to that feedback and Alexander Stafford could do well to listen. And do you know what? It's so <laughs> crucial because yeah. this, is, this is the thing though, isn't it? Because whenever you say this, this type of conversation to people, they go, oh God, you're all snowflakes. We can't say anything anymore. Every time I say anything, I'm going to offend somebody. And you're like, all right, well, you know, if every time you speak, you're offending somebody, love, I think you've got a bit Don't of work speak. to speak. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, we're not saying, don't say anything. You know, if you say something and you have inadvertently hurt somebody or upset somebody or not can just not considered somebody, it's okay to then say, I didn't realise, I'm sorry, I will try harder to do better. And that's fine. Yeah. It's about learning, isn't it? Not about saying, right, well, that's it. You know, I'm never going to have this conversation yeah. ever again. I have Go to go, girls. All right. Okay. Lovely. Thank bye, you. Bye. Thanks for bye. Having me. bye. What were you going to say, Samara? No, I, I was going to say, and you know, even even things like language and terminology changes so regularly. So what is okay now won't be okay in a year, in two years, and, and we will have to learn again. It's constantly yeah. evolving. I think we need to recognise recognize that and you, you're yeah. absolutely right if people are putting their hands up and apologizing and, and wanting to do the work that's that's half the battle you're absolutely right yeah because i mean i i said i said transvestite uh, you know because that in the 90s we were allowed to say transvestite and and it's only re, you know recently that that word has become offensive and so you go okay now i understand that i looked up what is the difference between a trans person and a transvestite and you know figured out one just dresses as a woman and one I is a woman one identifies as a woman and you're like okay now i understand the difference i can i can use those terms correctly and that doesn't mean i'm still not going to make mistakes in some of the language you know my, my dad refers to me and my sister as half caste you know because he is as well and that's what it was called when he was born in the 50s and came over in the 60s and again it's just about you know absolutely learning and going all right uh, you know i'm sorry i didn't realize that word had changed we'll we'll try hard to do better so yeah yeah absolutely um, i think the other thing then so uh, the, there's a, a couple more points that i was looking up in terms of bringing this into the workplace because i'm conscious we're going to run out of time and um, i think one of the things as well was be an ally and you said before that you didn't particularly like that that word and i understand why um uh, but you know, if we are, we can't all be in positions of power within a business. We can't all be sitting around the board table. So how do we ensure that if there are more people in a business, that we are listening to all of those voices and bringing that into the boardroom? That, that's kind of being an ally or being an advocate, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, and and I don't know whether it's that I don't like the word. I just don't, I, I don't know. I just, I don't want it to sound like I'm being... 
I'm, I'm trying to be something, you know, I think sometimes when something, when, when you are something and something is in the fabric of you, you know, and it's in your muscle to then name it as something can, can feel a little bit strange, but it actually works really well in organizations, particularly larger ones. So, so we have something called safe zone allies um, at Bernardo's where people can be safe people, for people, uh, I said people about 10 times then, sorry. Right. <laughs> so people, right. so they identify people. So if children and young people are um, in the LGBT plus community and they want to talk to someone who is a safe person, they can go to an ally, the same the same with staff as well. So, and, and they have additional training to understand some of the complex complexities and nuanced ways of working with, with people. Um, well, yeah, um, I think I think having feedback loops, having open conversations, if you've got an organisation big enough, having networks is, is, is a really good way of hearing those voices. But whatever you do, it just really needs to be authentic and, and not just a tick box exercise. I think the other thing as well is it's it's purely down to normalizing it isn't it you know if if it if if the process of feedback and the process of correcting something is arduous i.e you know so it say something's upset me in the way uh, a, pol a company policy has been written and in order to get that change i have to speak to a manager and fill out a complaints form and go through a procedure and justify why yeah i'm not going to freaking bother and nothing's going to change whereas if you have a systems in place whereby you say if you've got a problem with something just tell someone and they will not be offended they will listen they will take that on board they will then escalate that change and it will be met. then it's it's easy peasy people are not going to be afraid because you're right you know coming forward and going well you know actually i am whatever i am you know that's a big thing and it, and it becomes an issue whereas if you can just easily say oh i think you've got that wrong you know can we can we change the wording of that phrase or you know that poster's really bloody offensive can we change it and it's done, that's it. It's back to that not getting offended, isn't it? It's such an important thing to teach people. Yeah, and the bureaucracy around that can can stop people from, from entering into those discussions, can't it? Mm, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so if we're thinking about how do we make our workplaces more flexible, more inclusive, um, give people seats at the tables of power. If you cannot give them a seat at the table of power, because obviously nobody, not everybody can have one, then provide a means that their voices will be heard. So uh, some sort of body system, make it easy, make it quick, allow, have a process whereby people can really simply, you know, make feedback and feel like they're a part of it as well. If people feel like they're a part of it and that their voices will be heard and things will be changed, they will learn to speak up a bit more. Um, and the final thing I, I've written down here is don't assume that you're done i think that it's back to that point of language changes isn't it a lot of businesses i know will say oh we've done that we've, we've done an inclusive <laughs> policy or you know we've we've done feminism we've got 25 percent of our board members are female or whatever mm -hmm. and you're like mm, yeah really there's always more to do isn't there yeah and and i think i just add to that is, is like believe people so if, if you've got colleagues um that come to you and say i'm not happy with with this terminology or, or I feel like I'm be I'm missing out because of or I'm being overlooked because of we need to believe people because their lived experience is is their truth yeah absolutely absolutely and yeah and, and again it's back to that 
don't be offended. I mean, this is the ironic thing, isn't it? When when people call us snowflakes, like, oh, you're offended by everything. And you're like, actually, we're not. We're the least offended people. We're the ones that go, all right, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I'll do better. It's it's everybody else when they say, actually, we need to we need to improve this. And I'm like, well, we're not. No, I've got all of this evidence that proves why I am right. Just, just relax, you know, just calm down. It, like, exactly like you say, if somebody says something has hurt them, it has. People don't just make that shit up. So what no. can you do about it? You might not be able to change your company policy. You might not be able to change something. You, you might very well be able to justify why they weren't promoted because, you know, they haven't done any work for three weeks and it's not because they're, you know, gay. But in that, if that's the case, sit down and have that conversation yeah. and say, actually, these were the reasons and this is why we did it and it's not because of this. And, and again, it's about sitting down and talking to people, isn't it? Of course it is, yeah. Communication. Communication, absolutely. Okay, <laughs> we have we have gone a little bit over time. So thank you very much, Samara. That was really useful. I think I think the, the key thing for me when people are always saying, you know, what what is what is intersectionality, what is intersectional feminism, all the rest of it. It's just simply recognize that everybody has a different story. Everybody will see the world in a different way. And it's okay to listen to people and accept that and 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 take it on board and change. Would you like to add anything? I would just like to say, can I add some links to some really excellent books um yes. on the finish? Absolutely. Yeah, please do. And if anybody is watching, so I listened to a really, really good podcast the other day. I will put the link in. There is an awesome audio book as well, which I uh, will put the link to. And yeah, if anybody else watching has any really good books that they have uh, read, listened to, podcasts, any resources, please do share them because you know uh, uh, as we've said many times we only get better by by learning uh, and reading and sharing this stuff so let's do it brilliant that was really good thank you very much Samara we thank you that went really fast hey that's that went really fast I know it does it always goes really fast doesn't it I can't believe it I've now got to go out and get absolutely pish wet through in the uh, lovely bake up rain so oh, thank yeah. you very much for two weeks see you later Bye. Bye. We're going to do the waving now. More Bye. waving.